You're listening to Nerd is the New Cool, a podcast where we nerd out on, well, pretty much everything. Follow us and share to help us grow our podcast. And uh, this episode, Best Bad Movies, coming at you right now. Best bad movies. I'm Justin. With me, as always, is my my good friend Lambert. How you doing? I'm doing great. Excellent. We're joined by uh, multiple time guest Brian Bauer. How do you do? Doing pretty well. Today we are talking best bad movies. I'm going to let you guys maybe. Why do we choose to go with best bad movies, and what does that even mean? This was actually uh, this actually came up with a conversation between me and you. So this is actually right. your idea. I think we we put a little structure around it. For this time around but it's just the idea that critically panned movies that we still like to watch like if it's on tv you're watching it and you're finishing it even though critically it probably was gutted it's almost like an extrapolation of a guilty pleasure yes right? uh it's it you know it's not a great movie but damn if i don't turn it on every time it's on and uh, throw the remote away yeah i'm still gonna finish it yeah. wherever it is right and so that's so we've, we've each chosen uh one of our favorites i guess and we chose we kind of went by ratings traditionally on rotten tomatoes 25 percent and under from right a critic perspective from yeah. a critic perspective well just from the from the tomato meter tomato meter yeah, yeah the tomato meter yeah so these are by no means our favorite bad movies, but some place to start. This will not be the, this is the first, but not the last episode like this. We had to put some criteria around it, like best bad movies. That's, that's very, very vague. So we wanted to break it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get into the categories first. The well, three I, films. I, good. If I may, I, I would like to say too, that, that, that in my mind, what makes it a good movie is that it evokes a real emotion uh, as opposed to like a plan nine from outer space that, Oh, this is so horribly bad. Now that will evoke a belly laugh or two, but it's so bad. It's good, but not when it's supposed to, uh, right. for me, there, there, for these movies that we've chosen, uh, it's like, there are very good scenes. There are very good performances and there are laugh out loud moments. There are maybe a, a tear comes to the eye. Uh, <laughs> I'm a crier. I admit it. I'm man enough to, so, uh, so, but it, one that evokes a real emotion rather than just um, making fun of the movie because it's so bad. Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Totally. So the movies we've chosen today, I have gone with Masters of the Universe. I went with Congo. And I went with The Cat in the Hat. The newest rendition. Yes. Mike Myers' Cat in the Hat. Mike Myers' Cat in the Hat. Yeah. Yes. So let's jump into the categories. Category one, real quick summary, synopsis, or some breakdown of some initial numbers. And so we're going to, as always, kind of hop around to our respective films. Masters of the Universe, summary. According to IMDb, this is the heroic warrior He-Man battles against the evil Lord Skeletor and his armies of darkness for control of Castle Grayskull. This debuted August 17th, 1987. Has a runtime of 106 minutes. It's a quick 106 minutes. In my opinion, <laughs> well, in your opinion, it budgeted. It was a budget of twenty-two million dollars at a worldwide gross of seventeen million dollars and, and some change. That's not good. So it lost a little bit of cash. Any anybody have any initial thoughts or thoughts just kind of going into this preconceived notions? 
I didn't have any preconceived notions other than I spent a lot of time watching the uh, He-Man cartoon mm-hmm. as a child. Yeah. And um, found this to not necessarily stay true to the source material. Well, who'd seen it before? Anybody, either I, of you I've, seen this before? I've seen this before, yeah. I'd never seen it before. Okay, cool. Good. Yeah. All right, Lambert. I mean, no, no. What, what, what movie did you do? Oh, what movie did I do? Got it. Congo. So according to IMDb, when an ex- expedition to the African Congo ends in disaster, a new team is assembled to find out what went wrong. Okay, that's kind of true. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Debut June 9th, 1995. Runtime of 109 minutes. $50 million budget. $152 million worldwide gross. And I don't know, uh, this is just, uh, like we were saying before, this is just one of those movies that for whatever reason, when it's on, I'm watching it. I don't know why, but I have to watch it. I never read, I have to say, I've never read the book, so I can't compare the the film to the book. I'm sure the book is better, just because with almost all Michael Crichton films, the book is always better. I've read the book, and I'd seen the movie, and yes, of course, the book's better. This was one of the first films, and I'm pretty sure it was the first film I went to see in the theaters with a date. Who was your date? I'm just I gotta I gotta, I gotta ask. Do, <laughs> I think do you, you remember? Yeah, it was it was my first girlfriend. Yeah. Okay. So she, you know, that and that was it was at the old Shady Oak, uh, at, you know, over there <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. Uh, sat, almost sat bought in the, that up top balcony. I and, almost bought it years ago. Seriously, <laughs> before it shut down. Yeah. Yeah. Wish we would have. That's an amazing theater. It All was right. great. So that, those are my initial thoughts of of, of Congo. I uh, I have never read the book, but uh, uh, had seen the movie before previously, and um, I think I had similar thoughts. I I um, I think it, it the cast is great, and that gives me hope at times. Mm-hmm. So, all right, cat in the hat. All right, cat in the hat. According to IMDb, two bored children have their lives turned upside down, quite literally, uh, when a talking cat comes to visit them. Uh, I'm sorry I don't have the exact uh, debut date, but it was 2003, um, the year my youngest daughter was born, which is probably why I was watching this movie Mm -hmm. then. Uh, Runtime of one hour and 22 minutes that goes super fast, a budget of $109 million, uh, and worldwide gross of $133,960,541. So I, I... Love this movie because it was, uh, I think, because of when we were watching it. I had a three-year-old and a newborn, and needed something that had anything resembling uh, entertainment for adults. Not necessarily adult entertainment, but mm-hmm. entertainment for adults at the same time, so that my kids could be happy and I would not melt my brain. So I like this movie for that reason. Had you seen it before, Lambert? No. I had never seen it. I hadn't either. I don't know how this kind of slipped through. I, you know, I've, I've seen almost every other Dr. Seuss, whether it's live action, cartoon, and almost every Mike Myers film as well. And I think this is just maybe... This one just slipped through Well, it's 2003, so it's, you know, we're getting out of college at perhaps just a time where I wasn't necessarily watching. It was almost like, I don't know, maybe Shrek was too powerful of an influence. Movies like that. This is maybe not quite as adult. South Park, the movie. It was mm-hmm. definitely billed as a kid's movie. Right. It, and it is a kid's movie, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So next category are BS rankings. So Master of the Universe has a Rotten Tomato score of 17% and an IMDb score of 
Congo, Rotten Tomatoes of 22, and an IMDb of 5.2. And The Cat in the Hat comes in with a whopping 9% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 4.0% on IMDb. So I think I think for this this category, Congo's got to take it. They've got to pretty much besides the somehow the IMDb score of Masters of the Universe is higher. That's I can believe that. I can though. believe it too. A little user users the yeah. actual uh, fans giving it you know jacking it up a little bit. Right. Us us man fans. <laughs> yeah. All right. Congo takes that one. The Tarantino Award for writing. So Masters of the Universe is written by David Odell. This person has not really done a whole lot he was well he was a writer for the muppet show back in the day so if you are a fan of the muppet show uh you know he's had a little bit of influence there and also wrote the dark crystal god that movie freaked me out yeah it was a weird weird that one. was a weird one congo was written by john patrick shaley well of course based on the book by michael Crichton. screenplay by john patrick shanley who wrote moonstruck doubt alive and let's not forget joe versus the volcano Classics all. Classics. (laughs) All classics. And The Cat in the Hat was, of course, the source material by Dr. Seuss, uh, who needs no explanation. But, of course, Horton Hears a Who, The Grinch, Who Stole Christmas, The Lorax. Uh, Alex Berg, who is credited for Curb Your Enthusiasm and Barry, maybe my favorite uh, uh, show that I'm waiting for the next season. Um, Jeff Schaefer, who is also on Curb Your Enthusiasm and a writer on Borat, and then David Mandel, who was a Seinfeld writer, SNL writer, and Veep, another phenomenal show. I think you get a drop Masters of the Universe writer out of here, right? A bit, I mean, right off the bat, just because. Yeah, I think that if you're talking Congo and Cat in the Hat, just having the originals, the the authors of the original versions of this with Michael Crichton and Dr. Seuss, those two automatically are tied. I mean, Dr. Seuss may even be in the lead here. Probably. But we'll drop Masters of the Universe off. Mm-hmm. Where do we go from there? I don't know. I mean, as an advocate for my film, I would say, I mean, Curb Your Enthusiasm is it's a modern-day miracle. Uh, and, and Barry and Veep are two shows. Now, there's a lot of HBO going on here, um, but those are two relatively new shows that are just super smart super Mm -hmm. funny uh and and extremely well written in my opinion uh barry even more so than beat yeah i mean i I listen i have michael Crichton has a special place in my heart especially with jurassic park and just being a very influential novel writing reading growing up and and even sphere and, and like i said before congo but dr seuss I think that takes it just in itself. And if if the writer of the screenplay of Congo was somebody maybe well more well known, had some better credits than just Joe versus, Joe the, volcano, versus the volcano and alive, I would say maybe they get they get the nod. But in this instance, I'm going cat in the hat. I think so. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Okay. The Tom Hanks Best Leading Role Award. We, we skipped Spielberg. Oh shoot! I'm sorry. The Spielberg Award for directing Masters of the Universe, directed by Gary Goddard, who also directed. Jurassic Park, The Ride, <laughs> and Star Trek, The Experience. Two rides. Two rides. Two rides. Awesome. Congo, uh, directed by Frank Marshall, who did Arachnophobia and Alive, but his producer credits are ridiculous. He's basically produced every movie known to man. And uh, The Cat in the Hat, Bo Welsh, who also has a lot of producer credits um, for 
some of the shows mentioned before for the writers and uh, directed a series of unfortunate events, the TV series, uh, the new one with uh, Jim Carrey, uh, Neil Patrick Harris. The oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, the, right. yeah, the movie was yeah. Jim Carrey. Um, yep. I think we go Congo. Congo. It's got to go Congo. Congo. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now on to the Tom Hanks Award for Best Leading Role. For Master of the Universe, we've got Dolph Lundgren as He-Man. I don't think I need to write a lot of his things. Rocky IV, especially. Yeah. And Franklin Jella, who plays Skeletor. And I think Oscar all, winner Franklin Jella. Yes, Jella, Oscar winner Franklin Jella. Or Frost Nixon. You, you may know him from lots of things. That's where he won the Oscar with Frost, Nixon. Frost yeah. Nixon. I know him from Dave. Yeah. Yeah, he was a Dave. Yeah, that's uh, where I remember He has a, very, a lot of different roles, which we're going to talk later on when we're talking as far as was this, you know, where he really shined in his career. But those are the two main actors, Skeletor and He-Man. And then Congo, we have Laura Linney as Dr. Karen Ross. You, I remember her from Ozark. John mm-hmm. Adams. And then also I remember her from Man of the Year, The Mothman Prophecies, and Love Actually. And then Dylan Walsh as Dr. Peter Elliott, who was in Stepfather Lake House. But I remember him from, even though I never saw the show, from Nip Tuck. Yeah, he's great in Nip Tuck. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and The Cat in the Hat, of course, Mike Myers from everything from Austin Powers. I put the love guru down here. Uh, but uh, I think we remember him for so much more than that. Inglorious Bastards as far as... Uh, Wayne's World. Wayne's, Wayne's World. World. Saturday Night so Live. So I married an actual Shrek. Um, and then uh, Alec Baldwin um, as Quinn, the heavy, the um, the antagonist uh, from The Hunt for Red October, Glengarry Quinn Ross, uh, 30 Rock. You name it, Alec Baldwin. He's been, been in a lot it. of things. Yeah. So I don't want to speak for both of you, but I, I definitely think a Cat in the Hat should win it here. But I do want to give a shout out for me personally to Frank Langella because he's an amazing actor. And then Dolph Lundgren, too. I mean, I, I, and I know Masters of the Universe is not going to win this one, but man, those those are pretty yeah. well-known people. And honestly, even Congo, too. Like, if mm-hmm. you're, yeah, Congo's I mean, this is a pretty great. heavy hitter list here. Mm-hmm. And it, not to mention, we're not even getting into uh, uh, the supporting cast of Congo, which is pretty good amazing <laughs> yeah. well, we're gonna get into that in a second yeah and Dolph Lundgren is actually a rocket scientist right or chemical engineer chemical engineer yes yeah, yeah he's got a his PhD in chemical engineering mm-hmm he's a pretty Could brilliant guy <laughs> but having said that we got to go cat in the hat here right absolutely yeah. all right yeah. so so far my my movie's not doing so well two two to the zero two two that's okay plenty of time to make it up Let's go to the other four Jacksons Award, which is the award for best secondary characters. Up first, Masters of the Universe. So Meg Foster plays Evil Lynn, and I honestly tried to think of and pull things out that you all would recognize, and it was just so random that I just didn't even bother. She's just in a bunch of random shit. Billy Barty plays Gwildor. He's also in the films Willow and Legend. You know, Legend, that old school one with with Tom Hanks, right? Yeah. Or Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Uh, Courtney Cox. No introduction and, there or description of who Courtney Tax is. Or, or, or Tim, uh, Curry. Tim Curry. In Legend, yeah, Tim Curry. Uh, Courtney Cox plays Julie Winston. Robert Duncan McNeil plays Kevin Corrigan. That's the boyfriend. He's okay. all, he, was, he played a big role in Star Trek Voyager, if you were into that. John Cipher plays Duncan, or also, also called Man of Arms. He's basically in just essentially, I mean, almost over three dozen random things from the 70s and 90s, a bunch of bit parts in television shows, etc., and then finally, Chelsea Field plays Tila, oh, that's what I who you may know her from she's as the cheating wife in The Last Boy Scout. Oh, 
I knew. I was like, I recognize her. What yeah. the hell do I know oh, her sorry, from? Sorry, I mm-hmm. tripped in my dick accidentally. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great. I love so that. Chelsea Field. That's the last uh, secondary character from the old Master of the Universe. So for Congo, you have Tim Curry as Herkimer Homolka. <laughs> I, I never hear him pronounce the R. Yeah. And it's always Herkima. I never have him actually hear him say Herkimer, but whatever. Tim Curry has this, this, this he has this innate ability to every time you, I see him on screen, I don't know if he's doing this on purpose to, or, or, or accidental to play like a bit character, right? Yeah. Like I always feel like he's playing everything comedically. Yeah. I don't know if he bought a new house and just needs to pay for it or. Uh... <laughs> he's basically playing the same role as like in Scary Movie 2. Yeah. Like the same accent at least. Yeah. <laughs> so he's from Clue, yeah. Rocky Horror, Hunt for Red October. You mentioned Scary Movie. It. The TV show. Mm-hmm. Ernie Hudson as Captain Monroe Kelly. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2. He will be in Ghostbusters Afterlife. I, re- I, I saw that, so it nice. made me excited too. The Crow, Leviathan, and a movie that I just saw the other night, Airheads. Grant Heslov as Richard, who was like his little side, The Rock's little sidekick in The Scorpion King. He was in Black Sheep and True Lies. Lola No as Amy. Who's actually the actress inside Amy? She did an episode of House. <laughs> End of the, list. And this. And that was it. And then J- Joe Don Baker is R.B. Travis, who was in GoldenEye, Mars Attacks, The Living Daylights, and The Natural. In the he, cat was, in the hat. he was the whammer in The Natural. Oh, he was the whammer? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in The Cat in the Hat, we have a young Dakota fan in his Sally, uh, who's been once upon a time in Hollywood, certainly. Um, uh, I have uh, Taken Down Here, which was one of my favorite miniseries, a Steven Spielberg-produced miniseries, sci-fi miniseries. I think it was on the Sci-Fi Channel, actually, uh, back in the day. And numerous other roles. Uh, War of the Worlds was probably her largest grossing Mm -hmm. movie. Uh, Kelly Preston um, as Mom. So you might recognize her from Twins or The Great Battlefield Earth. Jerry Maguire. Uh, But Jerry Maguire as well. Uh, Spencer Breslin, Abigail's big brother, as Conrad. He was in The Kid in the Santa Claus 2 and really kind of seemed to go to school and get out of the acting thing. Uh, and then Amy Hill as Mrs. Kwan. She seems to play the same stereotypical uh-huh. character in I, every movie I remember that her she's from next in Friday. from Next yeah. Friday or 51st States. And then the great Sean Hayes as uh, Mr. Dunderfloob and the voice of the fish, uh, who was in... Will and Grace, and then a lot of other stuff where you wouldn't recognize Sean Hayes from, but Will and Grace as yep. the neighbor. So, first of all, I think the number one actor in this whole list, and maybe I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the person that worldwide is recognized the most is probably Courtney Cox. Yeah. On this entire list. Because of Friends, yeah. But after that, there's no one else <laughs> on Masters of the Universe. So, I, 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 the question is, does Courtney Cox basically you know take over from or or like overshadow ernie hudson and tim curry or dakota fanning and sean hayes because those are kind of the two big ones from the other two movies even kelly preston kelly preston i guess you can throw in there too i I honestly feel like tim curry just based on his body of work and the, the the greatness of it starting with rocky horror right is that that trumps a lot of other actors in my mind yeah i think i I think courtney cox is number one tim curry is a a close close second and then after that i think we're probably 
splitting hairs there. I think it's probably a three-way tie for Sean Hayes, Kelly, Kelly Preston, Dakota Fanning, mm-hmm. and Ernie Hudson, kind of depending on like where, how old you are and what films you're in. Because right. I mean, don't let's not let's not forget about Ernie Hudson. He had a whole bunch of lot of work in the '80s and '90s. Sure. I mean, I was doing all that TV stuff. Bunch of TV stuff now. Sean Hayes, you know, obviously with his impactful role on Will, Will and Grace, but then he's even he's got his like four different podcasts going on right now. He's he? still pretty visible. Yeah. Um, Kelly Preston. Yeah, I mean that goes without saying. And then Dakota Fanning. I mean, besides Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, she was also in, um, what's it called the uh, the Twilight series movies. Which oh, were, that's which right. Were, which were pretty big. I mean, yep. you know, I mean, those are pretty big movies. Pretty big films. So. I'm going to say Courtney Cox is the big one on here, but I think because of the lack of additional supporting characters, let's remove Masters and let's argue about Congo and Cat in the Hat. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Tim Curry carries a lot of weight uh, with me. Jodan Baker also uh, is one of those, that guy who was in that thing, which I'm I'm sure you guys have seen that documentary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's been in a lot of stuff and, yeah, I, I'm fine with going with Congo. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of leaning yeah. towards Congo. Tim kinda Curry, Tim Curry's kind of an A list celebrity in that group that is uh, I still mean, current today. Until he had a stroke, yeah, he was really yeah. very very still involved as of what ten years ago, five years ago. Yeah. All right, Congo takes it. Congo's in the lead. Backup singers. These are deep cut characters. So award for the best backup singers. Masters of the universe. We've got. James Tolkien, who plays Detective Lubick, if you don't know who that is from Back to the Future, he is the he, he's the, the oh, principal. Yeah. He's the principal. He's the principal, and he's that's he basically plays that role in Everywhere. a lot of different films that he's not in. to yeah. mention Top Gun. He was the the yes. uh, captain of the ship. Your ass is writing checks. Is he right? Yeah. Writing checks your butt. You're asking yeah. cash, and he's yeah. the one that says yep. it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I didn't say that right, but you know what I meant. And also Christina Pickles, who plays the sorceress of Castle Grayskull. Uh, she was Judy Geller from Friends. That's the only thing I could find of note. Was that uh, Ross's yep. ex-wife? Yep. <gasps> there funny. you go. Uh, the lesbian. Yes, the, the lady friend. Yes. Yeah. So from yeah. Congo, we've got Bruce Campbell as Charles Travis. Uh-huh. Evil Dead. It's Bruce Campbell. Jimmy Buffett was one of the 727 pilots. <laughs> I did not notice that. <laughs> I, did not, I did not know that either. <laughs> I had to look it up. Delroy Lindo. Yeah. As Captain Wanta. Get Shorty, Malcolm X, the core, Sahara. Gone in 60 seconds. Ransom. Joey Pants. Joey Pants. As Eddie Vetro. The Matrix, Bad Boys, Memento, Midnight Run. Adewale. I'm not going to try to butcher his last name. He was uh, Kahega in the movie, right? Yep. This, this, yeah. yeah. He was in Oz, Lost, Game of Thrones, Thor Dark World. Hmm. Well, I, I would... I think definitely we need to remove Cat in the Hat immediately because uh, we have Dan Castellaneta. Uh, Cast- See, I can't even do it. Uh, as the voice of Thing 2. And uh, Victor Brandt as the narrator um, who did a lot of voiceover work. So I think Cat in the Hat's definitely out. It's probably Congo. It Congo like, wins this without yeah, a doubt. Congo wins this I could, one. I could have stopped talking after Bruce Campbell. I yeah, was going to say. Exactly. Right? But, I mean, Delroy Lindo, or, Joey Pants. Or just Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Buffett too. <laughs> Shit. Okay. All right. Congo. Congo's cleaning some stuff up here. Yeah, it's doing well. The John Williams Award for Best Music. So, Master of the Universe. The composer was Bill Conti. Also composed music from Rocky, Private Benjamin, The Right Stuff, Karate Kid, 
broadcast news, necessary roughness, and the Thomas Crown Affair. That's a pretty good uh, resume there. Good resume. Congo had Jerry Goldsmith, who did L.A. Confidential, Star Trek First Contact, Rudy, Alien, Poltergeist, All the Rambos, Gremlins, Hoosiers, Inner Space, The Burbs, Total Recall, Ghosts in the Darkness, which was just on TV like earlier today, and The Mummy, the 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 Brendan Fraser Mummy, not like the Tom Cruise or like one of like the old ones. Gotcha. And the Cat in the Hat had David Newman, who has not done a whole lot. He did The Nutty Professor, Matilda, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. We all remember that score. And uh, Daddy totally, Daycare. I totally remember that movie for the yeah. score. <laughs> for the music, right? So, again, I think Cat in the Hat can be removed for... Is Masters of the Universe taking the category? I, I Honestly, I think so. Bill Conti's got a career yeah. that is... I don't know. Look up Jerry Goldsmith. I left stuff off here. No, right. I, I, I could have. I could have kept and, going. On and this and guy. I get that, but <laughs> every one of Bill Conti's right, Karate Kid, I remember, right stuff. I Rocky. remember the music that right? wins um, from that. All right, we're gonna we're gonna give me one out of out of, out of yeah, pity. Massive universe. Although Rambo, first blood, first blood, Alien, Rudy. Come on, Rudy. All right, so scenes to nerd out on. Masters of the universe. I'm gonna give my nominations and you can feel free to add more if, you, if you'd like the first conflict escape just from Eternia pretty much sets the stage for He-Man kind of being a badass and they got the grappling hook they pull a little key through yeah very riveting the chase scene with Courtney Cox when uh, you know they're at the they're at the they're at the gym at school and all of a sudden all the bad guys come through and, and He-Man comes and saves the day eventually the Skeletor invasion they're hiding out in the music store and here they come through this giant portal. And it's a pretty long scene, but it's basically the same setting. Yeah. And then just the final battle, the epic showdown between He-Man and Skeletor with all the different colors and lights and the, the, basically the uh, the electronics show, the electronic light show. <laughs> yeah. You guys have any other ones stood out for you? It's okay if you don't. I, I really picked I the best ones. <laughs> yeah. My favorite's the final battle. I think you got to go final battle with that one. I. It's the only time that I feel like Skeletor is actually what he's supposed to be, which is a formidable foe. If you watch the cartoons, they're the right. same size. Right. In fact, yeah. you could argue Skeletor is, in, in some instances, bigger, bigger. Sure. and more of a badass than he can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's and, a reason he's the, the, the heavy, right? Uh, yeah. You know. And that was the first time in the whole movie where he's got his pretty corny gold outfit on. But at least he's... Oh, like- Physically, he's he's kind of sizing up to Dolph Lundgren, right? Right. That remind when I when I saw that the other day, it reminded me of something. Now I can't remember what it was, but like I looked at it, I'm like, what? That it looks like something that I've seen before. I don't know if they like someone copied off them or they copied off someone else, but I'm like, huh. I mean, yeah, it, it could have it could have looked a lot better, but that's my favorite scene. All right, final battle scene. What about Congo? Congo, just the, the scene at the Hotel Leopold with Captain Wa- with Delroy. I just, I like the back and forth. Um, the 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 encounter with the ghost tribe, mm-hmm. where they kind of find the guy and they had that whole like ritual, and then he ended up basically dying of shock, I guess. Uh, when they find the city, so the initial finding of the city, and I think they they had their first run in with the with the gray gorillas, and then escaping the gorillas with the laser. <laughs> I've got two more. Bring them uh, on. The entire opening Bruce Campbell scene. Oh, well, okay. I mean, he just left him completely out, that whole party going back and forth, and he disappears all of a sudden. I really enjoyed the hippo scene, too. 
I thought about putting the hippo scene in, but then I was like, mm, I left it off. We're forgetting about jumping out of a plane with a talking gorilla. Well, um, that's true. <laughs> which, <laughs> you know. That's best worst scene. Yeah. And the constant drugging of the gorilla in order to keep her calm yeah, and quiet. Everybody's just got... Up. Got really heavy sedatives to put in bananas uh, mm-hmm. left and right, so <laughs> just happened to have them on hand. All right, what's your favorite scene? I gotta say the Hotel Leopold. Yeah, it's a good uh, one. I like that yeah, one. That was mine. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, second second for me is the is the end escape. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, for the cat in the hat, I did not list a lot here, but uh, inside Quinn's house, I think was hilarious. Uh, just he puts on this perfect uh persona and then you get inside his house and he's picking lint out of his belly button and uh it takes off his girdle girdle. yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. great yeah uh and then um, mm -hmm. and then getting down into the the cat's world and stuff like that when when thing one and thing two to that and then also the scene where they're just jumping on the couch to me that's just pure fun as a kid to do something that's wrong but it's not really super wrong so uh, the jumping on the couch and splattering things around, cleaning the dress off and splattering purple paint all over the house. Uh, just the fear of those kids uh, was Palpable. kind of, yeah, exactly. I got a couple more nominees. I like the cupcake inator. Yes. But both okay. spelled incorrectly with K's for some reason. <laughs> and then the pinata scene. I, I just didn't, I especially enjoyed the ridiculousness of that. Yeah. I, I do think inside the Quinn's house is the best scene. Yeah, but, but I, 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 I laughed too. out loud yeah. at a couple of those. Yeah. All right, so on to a little bit of nerd facts about all of these movies. So Masters of the Universe, I'll start telling you some stuff about this. So Frank Langella, Frank Langella went on record in an interview stating that playing Skeletor was actually one of his favorite roles. I mean, he gets into it. He dials it up for yeah, this movie, if you couldn't yeah. tell. Um, his youngest fan was a huge – youngest son was a huge fan – and basically, he was running around the house shouting, by the power of Grayskull, so he took the role, um, which is pretty cool. I think he really killed it. Dolph Lundgren said in a French ma- magazine that working on the film was a nightmare, so <laughs> somebody has a complete opposite perspective. The shooting schedule was five months, including two months of night shooting. Yeah, most of the movie is filmed, and yeah, I don't think yeah. they, were, they weren't using you know sound stages and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like It was at night on streets. He was actually approached to do a sequel during the shooting, and he turned it down right on, right on, right, <laughs> right there on the spot. In an interview with the IO9 website promoting the Expendables in 2010, he actually said he would return as either a, uh, either a camo, cameo or He-Man himself, which you know could be cool. Huh. I got I got some questions about that later on. Just to, you know, table that. Mattel, the toy company that produced the original He-Man toys, ran a contest where the winner would get a role in the new He-Man movie. The production was under a great deal of pressure to finish on time and under budget, so director Gary Goddard had to squeeze the contest winner into the shoot. The winner, named Richard uh, Sponder, is Pig Boy, who hands Skeletor his staff when he returns from Earth. He's even listed in the credits, which is cool. Mattel, which owned the produced owned and produced the Masters of the Universe toy line, mandated early in production that He-Man could not kill anyone on screen, which is why Skeletor's troops are robots. All right, that makes sense. Can you tell they're robots? I guess they're just supposed to be robots. They look like... They look like stormtroopers. Janky-ass stormtroopers, basically. Finally, there's a scene at the end of the closing credits 
um, where Skeletor pops back up from the waters of the pit he's thrown in and says, I'll be back. So this is maybe one of the first post-credit cut scenes that you can kind of find if you're playing on YouTube. It's not on every single DVD, whatever release. I was yeah. going to say, I don't think I saw it. Well, I didn't, scene. I, I didn't watch all the credits when I rewatched this yesterday, the other day. Grateful for the end. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think it. any of us like each other's movies, which is <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I, I don't I think know. so either. <laughs> Congo, speaking of you know, what you said about Frank Langella, Ernie Hudson stated that playing the character Captain Monroe Kelly is his personal favorite from his career. Executive producer and director Frank Marshall originally intended to use the computer work pioneered on Jurassic Park for the gorillas, but opted for models as the computers weren't capable of reproducing hair. Hmm. Bruce Campbell actually auditioned for the role of Dr. Peter Elliott, but he was given the small part of Charles Travis instead. I think he's too ridiculous to play I a think more he, major he, character. He could not be serious. <laughs> I, I, I take that back. I couldn't take him seriously. I couldn't take him seriously. Yeah, yeah. If he was trying to be like a serious primatologist. I just, I don't think, maybe he could pull it off, who knows. The diamonds used for the scenes during the climax of the movie were actually Herkimer diamonds, borrowed from Herkimer diamond mines of Middleville, New York. They are doubly terminated, two-ended, two-ended quartz crystals that are found in only two places in the world. They were the only gems that would look enough like diamonds and be that large. As a kind of tribute, Tim's Tim Curry's character's first name is Herkimer, his character does not appear in the Michael Crichton novel upon which the movie is, was based. Yeah, that's way too stupid of a name from, for yeah. Michael Crichton to come up with that. True. <laughs> also on the diamonds, the diamond that was thrown out of the balloon at the end of the movie was lost. So it could not be returned to the diamond mines. <laughs> Although not featured in retail versions of this movie, there appears to be a rare phenomenon, again, kind of like yours, where most viewers distinctly remember a scene with a laser-wielding monkey. This has yet to be this has yet to be discredited by the writers. I thought I remember seeing that too. I I don't. I don't remember seeing that. Well, and it's obviously like the times that like I've seen it recently, it's not in there. Right. And then Hugh Grant and Robin Wright declined leading roles. Probably not the worst call in there. Probably not. They probably did okay. <laughs> but well, the question is, though, does Hugh Grant or Robin Wright make this film better? Uh, I don't think Robin mm. Wright would. I think Hugh Grant would have. I agree. I think he's a little more... I, I love Dylan. I think he's a good actor, but he's not a very sympathetic character No. or actor, period. Even in Net Tuck, he's supposed to be like the more sympathetic of the two, mm-hmm. but he's still kind of a pretentious asshole. Yeah, there's a there's a... He's got an arrogance about I guess him. Confidence, or yeah, arrogance is the, the what I where, I, where I think though that Hugh Grant he'd be a little more lovable, mm-hmm. and you'd be like little. He also would seem more legitimately terrified. Yeah. Anyway, so maybe what well, could have been. So in the Cat in the Hat, uh, I found it fascinating that that Dr. Seuss's widow, after viewing a screening of this film, decided to never allow a live action version of any Dr. Seuss work ever again and it's now written into the annals of history with the dr seuss foundation that no live action can ever be created Uh, she hated it that much Uh, apparently mike myers was really hard to work with on this film Uh, every anecdotal bit of evidence was that he was uh, just arrogant called for lots of different takes this is why the budget 
uh, kept going Sword. up and up and up. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of the writing for this movie was intended for uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey that Ron Howard directed, but he found that the jokes were a little too raunchy and too uh, adult in humor for the wholesome Christmas movie that he was making. So he... Um, he nicks them, and then they used a lot of those jokes on this film. And then hmm. uh, Mike Myers didn't do anything else uh, much after this. This this was one of those not necessarily career killers, but he certainly took a, a, a took a, a hiatus, a hiatus, a dip. And uh, then I think it was the Smash Mouth video for Shrek that was his next appearance. And I don't even I don't one I never saw that. I remember Inglorious Bastards might have been the next thing that I saw him in. The next thing that you remember, yeah, it being him, and yeah. it was he was in it for a minute. Was right? he in Mystery Alaska too? He, make, he makes some bit oh, parts. Yeah, he was yeah. in Mystery Alaska too. <laughs> Bunch of random ass shit. Yeah, and uh, Bohemian Rhapsody more recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. All right, so the Heath Ledger Award for scene stealing. So who just basically takes over the screen every time they're on? So for Master of the Universe, I've got two nominees. Let me know if you have more. Got uh, Dolph, or I'm sorry, Frank Langella, and just Courtney Cox. And I, I've kind of got a clear cut winner, but I thought Frank Langella was great. I yeah. thought it was he was a real villain. He took it seriously, and, yeah. and he played that part the way that it should be played. I agree. So I agree. that's my he's badass the whole time. Yeah. He's he is the highlight of the entire film. I mean, Courtney Cox was fresh off of the uh, uh, the Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen video, right? Yeah, that's right after <laughs> yeah, that. So. All right. Congo. I've also got two, but really there's only one. Ernie Hudson. And then I put Amy, the gorilla. I also put, you know who else I put on there? I am also putting on there Joey Pants. He's, he's got a very limited role, mm-hmm. but he, he kind of overshadows everybody. He steals the scenes for me, but he's maybe he's not in it long enough. He's the fixer. But man, he is he's good. But for he's me, good in everything. Yeah, for me it was Delroy Lindo. Yeah. I mean, that was just a... That was a compelling scene, and and he, it started off a little bit campy, like the the there's that o- campy overtone of the film, right? Um, but it it got real serious real fast when he was on screen, and it was like, oh wow, we're stop we're... eating my sesame cake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, you know, look at me, <laughs> stop. So yeah, I thought, God, thought Del Rolando was... is so captivating. Yeah, uh, so. Lambert, you're you're in charge of this one, so you can technically pick who you think. But I, well, yeah, I'm not gonna pick for you guys. I I I, I, I am captivated. Opinion. I'm captivated when Joey's on there, Joey Pants. But I also yeah. I agree with Delroy Lindo as well. Yeah. See, and I like Gurney Hudson just because one, he was good, and he was in more scenes than Delroy. Right. I don't I don't I don't disagree sure. that Delroy wasn't great in this because I do I love. Sure. It was my favorite scene of the whole movie. So if they do, if maybe he's in there a little bit more, he definitely takes it. All I right. think so. I just think for a certain number of scenes, that sounds because he was Hudson. in one. Yeah, Delroy was in exactly one. But he was good. But he was good. All right. Yeah, for the Cat in the Hat, I had uh, Alec Baldwin and Dakota Fanning because it was, one, her age, right? And she she played it perfectly. Mm -hmm. The the one thing I noticed in this film that I found interesting was the kids, it was written from a kid's perspective. The kids are the normal people. Everyone else, uh, with a certain extent, uh, was a caricature. Mm Mm-hmm. Where it, maybe mom not quite as much, but 
Mr. Dunderflub and and uh, Quinn were all caricatures of real people. So that that told me this was being written from a kid's perspective, which I found interesting. And I like Dakota Fanning for that, but Alec Baldwin just was great. Yeah, I, I'm going to throw Sean Hayes in there too, but yeah. I, he's got a limited role. But when he's on screen, he's pretty awesome. Those were the most quoted lines in my house growing up. Yeah, uh, for my kids. Yeah, so you're fired. <laughs> I just love Sean Hayes. Period. Yeah. So, so I would. I'm going to give honorable mention to Sean Hayes, but I think it's got to be Alec yeah. Baldwin. I think so too. Yeah, I think Alec Baldwin. But yeah, I, I definitely agree with the Sean Hayes. Okay, so up next we have the peak of the mountain. So essentially, this is. Is this when that particular person or thing has reached its, you know, I guess, highest stock price for the most part, right? So first off, we've got from Masters of the Universe, Dolph Lundgren. Do we think this is his peak of the mountain? I'm going to tell you that I, I, I actually think it is. Yeah. I know it's a weird peak, but it's, it's, it's coming right off of Rocky Four, And then after that, he kind of just doesn't do a whole lot of things. It's a bunch of weird bit parts until we maybe hit like the 2000s. With which the Expendables, is, right? With the Expendables, and he's also in like Arrow. He's also in a couple other random. What things. about Universal well, Soldier? Dexter. Was he in? Uh, wasn't he a part in Lord of the Rings as well? I don't think so. Is he? I no. think he's. If he is, he's a CGI. Character. Yeah, he, yeah, he might yeah, be a small. It, it did not look like him. Okay. But it was, okay. Yeah. Well, I think this is his peak. Yeah, I, I don't I'm disagree with, with that. that. Frank Langella no, obviously went on to. Okay, yeah. So Frank, so Frank, Frank Langella is the next one. That one's a little bit more tricky because I think he's an amazing actor in this film. But like, he's got he's got a weird IMDb filmography. He kind of goes he kind of goes silent around the late '80s, early '90s, and he pops back up in Dave, which I guess is early early '90s. Mm-hmm. But then he's kind of not really around. A bunch of random bit parts again until Frost Nixon, when he almost kind of has like a reemergence. Um, do we know why there. that is? I mean, it's, his performances are always solid. Yeah. Is, it, is it? I just is think it if I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm going or? through all of his things. No, I just think that he just he, he wasn't never wasn't ever necessarily like the 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 star, the main star, right? Yeah. Exactly. So he's got all these bit parts, and all of these just maybe just didn't take off. He good, was he good was night. fantastic in the Americans too. Right. So he's in the Americans. He's in Good Night and Good Luck. But the Americans is in the, within the last ten years. Yeah. He's in Superman Returns. And then Frost Nixon hits in 2008, and then he's in, again, a whole bunch of other random things, even like Muppets Most Wanted. I feel like that's when you kind of... So I kind of think that, for me, his Frost Nixon is his peak. I would, I would say that, yeah. definitely. Just because he won an Oscar for it and everything. Um, He-Man shows. He-Man. Just He-Man in general. Yes. You think this is the peak? Sure. Mm. I'm old, so I like the old cartoons, right? Uh, a lot of time was spent on those He-Man cartoons and, and uh, uh, I really enjoyed the purity of them, right? Right. Um, I think this is pretty close, but I, maybe the time period is the peak, but I think that the peak is actually the 17 million iterations of all their toys after the show. Uh, so the true, show comes yeah. out in 85, and I think the toys are the ones that really keep it going for the next five or six years. If you watch right. the toys that made us on Netflix, there's one of the episodes is about He-Man, and it's super okay. interesting. About all they did, all the things they did to basically keep the toy line going, and there's a new show right now. Um, that's maybe I, I read read about that. Yeah. yeah, it's gotten some flack because it's it's called Masters of the Universe, and I think that people are upset because it's not necessarily about He Man. All, yeah. all the all the sexists out there are mad because it's focusing on Shira and some other characters, mm-hmm. and they're not happy about it. But apparently, it's really good. It's just gotten poor reviews because of you know. People are morons. Politics. Yeah. Yep. 
Okay, Peak of the Mountains. What do we got for Congo? Ernie Hudson. By his own admission, right? Well, he did. He did like this one the most. Yeah, I think that's. I think this is. I mean, if it's not this, it's it's Ghostbusters too, or the faculty wasn't in the faculty. <laughs> well, because I mean, this is one of the few like after Ghostbusters, he started getting a few like like not this isn't really a leading role, but like some decent supporting actor roles if you like look at it. But then after this, it just tails off. He's starting to have a resurgence now because he's been in a few TV shows recently, but like he just kind of went away. Yeah, and so and Ghostbusters is in '84. Yeah, Ghostbusters Two is in like it's a few few years later, '89. I think this is probably pretty close to it. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And I put Tim Curry on here too. Tim Curry more as a debate. Okay, I was gonna say because you could say I mean, we can argue his peak was possibly before this. I personally think Tim Curry's peak is is it, the TV show it. And let me let me kind of let me justify that reasoning because I think that the most thing he's most well known for is Rocky Horror Picture Show, and Clue, Clue. and Clue, and then Clue, and then out comes it. And I yeah. think at that point it was even though he's in clown outfit, it was like that's Tim Curry. Everyone knows mm-hmm. Tim Curry. And then you've got other bit parts, like I said before, like you've got Scary Movie Two, you've got this, you've got Loaded Weapon One, you've got a bunch of other like random things right. that he's doing. He's he's like embraced the weird comical version of himself. Yeah. I think it is the last time, not the last time, but the peak of him being like, wow, he's a, cra- a crazy, amazing actor that isn't just about being silly with small, you know, accents and bit parts for me. Yeah. And I, I loved him in Hunt for Red October. I think that's just such a, a perfectly played role. It was more subtle than, mm-hmm. than what we typically see of Tim Curry, uh, which was refreshing there. Um, but uh, when he's asking Sean Connery for the missile key, right? And it's so that no one man may launch the missiles. You know, it was uh, it was real Tim Curry. So I, I, I kind of think of Tim Curry and Hunt for Red October and then, you know, bit parts here and there. But... Yeah, I think it's I around like, that time. I'm sticking with it, but I think Big Hunt for October is right there at the same time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like 90, 91-ish, early 90s. And then I also put Lola No because this was the only thing she was in. <laughs> so it definitely was her. Was I, of, I, I got was, a few more. It was for, kind of a no-brainer. I got a few more for Peak of the Mountain. Dylan Walsh. Yeah. Nip Tuck. I think Nip Tuck. This is Peak. Ernie Hudson. I, I, we said We Ernie already Hudson. said Ernie Hudson. Yeah. Laura Linney. No, not even close. Not, not Ozark. Not this. I don't, know, I don't know if she's at her peak yet. I think Ozark is, is, Ozark. is her second peak. Love, actually. Uh, she was in the big C. I'm going to th- throw you. I'm going to throw uh, one at you. John this, Adams. This is what I think. I think it's actually. She was, she I think it's. John I think it's Truman Adams. Show. Truman Show. She was really good. She was good in Truman Show. Uh, but John Adams was. She's fantastic in Ozark, and she phenomenal. I never saw John Adams, but you keep you said great things about it. Tell the brain. It's great. What about films with gorillas? This would be the. Well, is this the peak, or is it Planet of the Apes? And if it's Planet it's of the Apes, be Planet of the Apes. Which one? Or is it Gorillas in the it's, Mist? It's the new one. Gorillas in the Mist. <laughs> it's the new. That's not. That's not the right answer. But I. But I, but thank you. For, but I appreciate you you mentioning that one. It's the new one, and not the Mark Wahlberg one. I think it's the, the James, one right after the that. James Franco series where I, they had like all those. I agree. So kind of like redid all Andy Circus. Yes. Yeah, I think that's peak for apes. All right, last one. Michael Crichton books turned into movies. 
or actually not even to movies, just into different type of media. I'm going to give you the two that I think the I think it's Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's, I think mm-hmm. that's the peak. But I would also I would I would re- I would welcome an argument about ER because that has a that has a much more lasting. I don't know. Still, what, how many still seasons going? Of ER? ER there was like no no it's not so ER there was like fifteen Grey's Anatomy or somewhere still going. fifteen or, or seventeen seasons or something maybe seventeen or, seasons yeah. or maybe ER is ER still going or is it finally gone. It's been over for a while. It's okay. been over, but who who I don't look who ER launched? I mean, we've got Clooney, of course, but uh, who came out of ER? Uh, Lots even, of people. Even Anthony Edwards mm-hmm. um, resurged his career. Well, I just think that whole plat the, the way that I mean, television shows about medicine. Yeah, it was must see <laughs> TV, right? I mean, there was right. Thursday night where you watched uh, e- ER Friends. Uh, it was Cheers initially, but then it turned into uh, Seinfeld after that. But ER, Thursday, lo- but so. ER launched Grey's Anatomy. It yeah. launched House. It launched shows like yeah. that. So I think it's either Jurassic Park or ER. I don't think it's this. Scrubs. Scrubs. There yeah, you go, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's Jurassic Park or ER. It's certainly not this. But um, w- this was before Jurassic Park, right? Is yes. Okay. Uh, Jurassic Park was ninety three. Ninety three. Yep. Yeah. All right, what do we got for Cat in the Hat? Cat in the Hat, Mike Myers. Uh, yeah, citing the fact that he... Well, he Congo was 95. Congo, Congo was, was after. Okay. okay. Sorry, uh, go ahead. Mike, Mike Myers. Myers, who really didn't do a whole lot, kind of, I think his his uh, attitude... I mean, certainly he had the Shrek sequels and, and all of that, but uh, he didn't have to work with anybody directly on those. He could sit in the studio well, and do so, his lines. But let me let me play devil's advocate for maybe why this is, if not his peak, it's close to it. Mm-hmm. This is not his best work. I would say this is the height of maybe where he had actual power to do whatever he wanted. Maybe this, maybe he kind of, kind of, you know, essentially like this is going to be crude, but shot his load essentially here with yeah. this movie. And after this, he did such a shitty job, and everyone hated him so much. This one, it's like all of his power is gone now. But it, it, this is Shrek- one. This was the one where he negotiated for con- total control too. Right. Uh, for tr- instance, to cite the the very early scene where he says, I'm not good at the whole rhyming thing, that was him saying, now I don't want to rhyme and do the book basically uh, the same yeah. way. The, so, n- the narrator can do the book. Right. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to do whatever I want because this is my venue and, well, and my cash cow. Well, let's, yeah. look, let's look at his movies. And these are the big ones. So in 92 is Wayne's World. That's where he really hits it on the big screen. So I Married an Axe Murder 93. That's a... That's a Honestly, hilarious a movie. Yeah. movie. So now so here's good. where it gets interesting. So 93 is Wayne's World 2. He takes a big gap. 97 is Austin Powers. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, from a, from 97, you've got 54, Mystery Alaska, 98, 99. But um, you've got Austin Powers 2 in 99. You've got Shrek in 2001. Um, and then we get into Cat in the Hat in 2003. And Shrek 2 is after that. Shrek 2 is actually a 2004. Right, and that's what I mean, the, the Shrek sequels, though. But but he's not, for the, the animated, he's not working directly with other people on a set. He's in a studio recording his lines. He may be there with somebody else, but mm-hmm. that's a lot in the editing room uh, for Shrek as opposed to on a set. Okay, so I think his peak is Austin Powers. Yeah. As far as live action and being acting it actually yeah. physically i think it's for, for voice work it's shrek and the and you know, the phenomenon maybe shrek too maybe yeah. even shrek too and the phenomenon that austin powers started right yeah. i mean i was working retail at the time years ago and and it was 
everybody who walked in, everybody was dressed up for Halloween. We were uh, selling at the wine and cheese place the fake teeth because everybody wanted to buy the fake teeth for Austin Powers costumes and everything. It was crazy. <laughs> All right. And then I had Kelly Preston as uh, the other one because besides Battlefield Earth, uh, she kind of was Mrs. John Travolta for a while. I'm, yeah, I'm assuming took time off for her family and, and uh, uh, didn't do a whole lot of acting. I think it's Jerry Maguire. That was 96. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm putting that as, as her peak. She comes, this is years later, but honestly, sure. I think she's so decked up, you don't even really realize it's her. Right. <laughs> like, I had to like, like well, who's that? Oh, that is Kelly Preston, okay. Yeah, I looked at her, her uh, uh, IMDb profile, Yeah, and, and it was like, wait, that's not, oh, yeah, it is Kelly Preston, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I could see Jerry Maguire for her. So for I've got I've, I've got a few more for as far as peaks. So we already kind of mentioned these people, but Dakota Fanning is her peak. No. I, don't, I don't know that we've seen her peak I yet. Think I think yet. she's gonna she's gonna surprise us all at some if point. You, if you, I mean, if you were gonna say, you probably say the Twilights. That's what I think it is. At least, yeah. what it is right now. What I about, mean, the, that Taken series. I don't know if you guys have seen it or not, but no. um, it, it's definitely worth the watch. It's a mini series. Uh, Spielberg produced um, but I think it's it's really fantastic and it's my favorite thing she's ever been in check it out what about uh, Alec Baldwin oh no it's, no uh, I think it's 30 Rock personally but I also I would argue with you could also argue Hunt for October yeah. is, 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 is it young Alan Baldwin Alec Baldwin or old there's like Alec there's Baldwin. basically two different peaks there's a lot of different iterations of Alec Baldwin and Hunt for Red October for young Alec Baldwin yeah but uh, 30 Rock which I've never actually watched the series but I know the influence of it and uh, <laughs> just haven't had the time to sit down and watch the the copious amounts of episodes. The that two Justins are but, both shaking uh, our heads. I've, never, I've never seen a single episode. This in is my a life. double shake. Yeah. What's wrong with you, idiot, sir? <laughs> right. All right. There's well, too we, much. There's too we much know what good shit out there, man. I can't and get that's to all one of, of the best things out there. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta watch it's the new on Steve Netflix Martin now. Thing, so. I'll get to it yeah. one day. It's on Netflix now. Okay. Um, that's pretty much all I had. Next category: A Star Is Born category. So this is basically if we were to make these movies today, what are some changes would need to be made to you know make it current. So, for Master of the Universe, obviously there would be an improvement in CGI. I think CGI has had some, uh, well, had, had some uh, some advances in technology since then. Just a little. It's a little ridiculous. Yeah. All right, Cat in the Hat. Well, whoever plays Cat in the Hat would have to be not Mike Myers. Um, he, I don't even know who you, there's no one, is there anybody now who could do it? I think that's That's the not Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's done a lot of that. Because he could do it. But he's not going to do it, and I feel and it feels like a cop out saying that he would do. Well, it. Well, I think yeah. you could maybe do somebody like a, like a John Mulaney. Yeah, it's got to be some I type of, that. of yeah. goofy comedian that is, is very dry and sarcastic. Right, and that's I actually think John Mulaney is my vote. John Mulaney is a he's is having really a kid. good one. He yeah, is. with Olivia Munn. I know. Lucky, good, good for him. He got, he got cleaned up and he got a woman. Now he's having a kid. Yeah, it didn't take long. Harry Styles to John Mulaney, or that was a different. Olivia, wasn't it? Olivia Munn was dating Aaron Rodgers before he dated Danica Patrick. Isn't Aaron Rodgers with somebody else now? He's married to, to I can't remember who. All right, back on track. Sorry. Anyways. Mike Myers. <laughs> is he, not only is he not in this movie, but yeah. uh, 
I mean, I don't think it, it's a rough, it's a rough, it's a rough conversation. About I mean, let's yeah. just have the Mike Myers conversation right based now. on, based on his onset attitude and things like that. Recordings would have been released by now. People would have recorded him. He'd have been canceled. I mean, let's uh, just have, I mean, like, so is, he he the, is he like the biggest, is he the only Canadian I've known of that's a giant asshole? It seems like he's the biggest dick. He does seem like a big dick. All the other Canadians seem very pleasant. That's what I mean. He's the, he's the one. He's the one. <laughs> Drake. He's the, he's the exception. I don't know. I think Drake seems like an okay guy. He doesn't. Ha- he doesn't have a reputation of being a giant. He's just getting thing. a lot of memes. Well, that's true. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I can't think of another Canadian dick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Unless you do- ask Catherine Heigl, and she'll say Seth Rogen. But <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's. <laughs> she's got her own reason to say that because everyone hates right. Catherine Heigl too. Right. Yep. <laughs> um, but I think I think if they were to remake it today, they would actually work with the with. Um, Dr. Seuss's family more and and try and stay true to the source material and and yeah. and do it in a way like that. Not so. give someone carte blanche to just do whatever right. the hell they want to. Right. Yep. Especially when it's so beloved and so uh well known. All right. So the next category, inner nerd thoughts. So did we learn anything? What uh, what are some things that you, you kind of thought about while you were watching this afterwards upon reflection or maybe some questions that can't necessarily be answered? So here are a couple I got for you with, with uh, Master of the Universe. Um, what's worse, Dolph's accent or Arnold's accent in Conan? Dolph's accent. Dolph's accent. Okay, all right. That was pretty quick. I thought, yeah. thought there would be more of a conversation. <laughs> no, <about> no. <laughs> no. Arnold's accent is Arnold's accent. Well, Arnold doesn't talk a lot, I guess, in the first yeah, Conan. He so He doesn't need to. Okay, so what I would have liked to see as as I was watching this, and also it's we we have the uh, the advantage of having seen Thor and mm-hmm. him walking around and not knowing what the hell is going on, and all of a sudden he's on Earth. Wouldn't that would have made it so much of a better of a film if if he's on Earth and he doesn't know all these Earth contraptions, and yet he's right. walking around in a He Man outfit, right? Yeah. Make some mistakes, uh, uh, you know, show some awkward moments instead of oh yeah and. Also, point out your laser gun and Radio Shack. And... He's, he, well, he's not so macho and masculine. I think if this yeah. movie is made right now, I think they embrace that humor and they really miss the right. They miss the opportunity. I think. What the fuck is Courtney Cox wearing to bed? Did you guys see the giant full nighty that she yeah. pops out of at the end? Yeah. Yep. What yeah. the hell is that? We need to remove most of Courtney Cox's clothes. I mean, well, I just, Apparently, I just want to know what what that is. It looked like a full sh- bed sheet that's she what had people on. Used to wear to bed, man. Yeah, but yeah, in like back the eighties. No, called, I was going to say in like the forties. They're called pajamas. <laughs> Not in the eighties. Yeah. Um, so the fast food restaurant. This is. I don't know if you noticed it. They pull out. what Looks like a chicken fried chicken tub. But in the fried chicken tub is both fried chicken and ribs. Have you ever seen anything like that? No. Like, have you? I no. Mean, anybody have any idea what fast food place this is? Where you've got a bucket of ribs and chicken at the same time, I'm just saying it stood out to me. I was very intrigued as to what the hell. That I don't was. know. It could have been. It could have been uh, a product placement that they were trying to. That that uh, I was trying. PepsiCo was trying to get off the ground. I was trying to look know. at the logo and I could not yeah. make it out. So they didn't do a very good job. Yeah. All right. Last question for this one: What makes this a bad movie? Well, not, not a good bad <laughs> movie, but you, since you guys don't like it, what, what about it? Are you not super big I, fans of? One that it it veered so far, like the laser guns and all of that stuff, right? I remember the cartoon. We're having sword fights and Skeletor versus He-Man every week, right? Yeah. Uh, so it, it, coming into the modern world was 
just awkward for me. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that actually what made what makes we talked about how awesome Frank Langella is. I think despite right. how good he is, he actually may be the reason why the film didn't do as well because yeah. he's because Skeletor has this like really high pitched yeah. like evil menacing where he's more of like a he just plays it differently. Well, it and and you may be right in the sense that if it were done as camp, right, uh, yeah. then everybody can get into it and it can be funny and campy and and uh, a fun little romp uh when you've got the serious villain that wasn't met by that same gravitas mm-hmm. uh that that could have uh played something to that yeah um that and being in a radio shack in in a thong it's like a it's a, it's a it's a weird music story there's a whole lot yeah. going on there yeah all right, on to Congo. I've got some some inner thought, inner oh, yeah, nerd thoughts. Do you have any whatever you want to start with? For what? For Congo. Well, I was going to still talk about Master. Oh, universe. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I, we kind of no. talked without letting you talk. So go ahead. I mean, and it was <laughs> just just a few. I mean, so you you asked the question, what makes it a bad movie? I don't know. It just like there were so many times where they were walking around the street, like you mentioned, like two months of night shoots, and they're walking around the street in the middle of this place. Where the where's everybody else? I was thinking that is there no police? Po- are, are there the, no are there no no not even police? Is like, the principal are there the no, only? Are there no people that live in this city besides <laughs> the people that are involved in this? Like, where's yeah. the normal people like walking around and like, holy shit, what the hell is that thing? Like, where is that? Yeah, there's seventeen a, spaceships just came out of this hole in a, a row. <laughs> it's a ghost town. It's a parade, <laughs> apparently, except for the Radio Shack and the music yeah. store. There's a and, seven foot tall nudist walking around with a sword in downtown, right. chopping people in half. Right, and nobody's <laughs> stopping him. Some random fish. Nobody's doing anything. Yeah. No one's saying it. Like so, is that and like they were firing green lasers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, so th- that okay. was just like so that thing just that stuck out to me. There was a couple times where I swear, I swear, I heard the DeLorean from Back to the Future as one of the special effects sounds in this movie twice. I, I agree, at least twice. Yeah. So not, that's not to say that's a bad. That's not a bad thing. Like people borrow stuff all the time. It's just something that stuck out in my head, but. Yeah, that plot hole and just the, I don't know, the the the, the final battle scene just kind of left me like, meh. Like they totally stole it, stole it from Star Wars where he fell down the pit. And it's like, it was like He-Man hit him really hard and he blocked it and he tripped and he fell. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Yeah. I'm like, really? Like, is that it? That's it? That's it? I yeah, I they just were felt like they could have done a little. They bit could better. have done a little bit better. Did a little more choreography. A little more, yeah. a little some more some movies are just better in cartoon film. True. Yeah. Congo. Inner nerd thoughts. I got a lot. I'm sure you do. You want me to? Want me to? Want me to start? Yeah. Uh, Go, Brian. Pretty. Ain't, first of all, all right. I don't care what kind of contraption you put on a gorilla. It's not gonna have the complex thoughts of jealousy and things like that. Where I'm pretty and she's ugly and. I want a martini. Yeah, no. give me a martini. Amy's sucking gonna, down martinis, smoking cigars. Drug, we're drugging she's, this poor ape. I mean, this is okay. animal abuse at the highest level. Monkeys do smoke. I mean, that's... They, they, I'm just saying, Amy's got a lot going on. She's, she's, yeah. she's got some problems. Yeah, uh, and the the diamond laser that could poke a hole through the moon, I don't to understand. quote them, why didn't it cut down the entire forest? Right, I mean, it would have gone through. Yeah, like the gorillas, re- like the real apes. science. Like they turn it, it on and it just goes. Yeah, it just goes. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna <laughs> go until it stops. No, real genius. Right? Real, <laughs> genius. real genius. Yeah, yeah real genius. 
uh, that was a great movie. And if you haven't watched the Val documentary, it's a. Uh, I need to watch. Talks that. about that. A it's little great. Bit. Yeah. Laser yeah. technology is definitely either it, it usually misses the mark, especially in yeah. films in the eighties. And I didn't understand why that had to do with telecommunications. That, that, like, I don't all right, how that has to do with telecommunications? And then, to it, your it, point, like you pointed at a satellite, she destroyed yeah. a satellite with it. So how are you going to use it for communications? Yeah, it, and not to mention the dude's son was viciously slaughtered in the jungle by this gray gorilla, and he doesn't. He just needs that money. I, just, I want that diamond. Yeah, I want that diamond. I don't care about my kid. Did you bring me my money? Right. And they had to put that in there so that they could have an ending to where she throws the diamond and literally loses the diamond forever. Uh, yeah, it was lost. <laughs> but, well, it wasn't a real diamond, but yeah. it, it was lost. Still. Herkimer so, makes great cheddar cheese, but... I think those these are all the reasons why I think it, for me, it makes it a bad movie. There's a little yeah. bit of a disconnect. There's some ridiculousness. I also felt that they, were, they couldn't figure out in, in instances, is it supposed to be... It's a drama, mm-hmm. and then they have a lot of weird, out of place comedic moments. It, it, like comic awkward. relief wasn't relief. There, there wasn't enough tension built to make the comic relief. And there's just there's relief. just terrible African stereotypes and accents, <laughs> and it's just again the gorilla smoking, drinking, just getting crazy. Yeah. I, I Tim Curry, I don't. I, I Tim Curry is in a different movie. Yeah, Tim Curry is not in the same movie that we're watching. He's in again scary movie too. That's yeah. the movie he's Wait, actually in. And. Where are these people getting these drugs to to drug the apes? They just happen to have it in, a, in their pocket. I know. Yeah. I carry I, mean, I carry barbiturates around yes, all the time. All the time. Yeah. Why not? Especially when I'm going to third world countries where mm-hmm. I could be slaughtered. <laughs> I do have one question for both of you. What is a more terribly produced film by Kathleen Kennedy? Because she produced this film, this movie, or The Last Jedi? How <laughs> did <laughs> I know you were going to compare? So, what, which one is it? <laughs> It's this film. Lambert? <laughs> you know my answer. My, I know your answer. My answer is Last Jedi. It's the worst you're... movie ever produced. Of course it's your. Of course that's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with you. Okay. All right. Well, let's... I, uh, let's, let's put it this way. I rewatch this one over and over again. I've, I think I've only seen The Last Jedi once. Once is enough. Never need to see it again. Was that the second one? That was the, the second the one. Yeah, ones? the one that was just like that basically shit on everything else and said we're going to go a different direction. The and one that should have ended 45 minutes earlier. That too. Right? Why should not start the next movie with the scene on the like, salt planet? Should have ended it's two like, hours and like, ten minutes. It's like we know what they earlier. did in The Force Awakens, but yeah. we don't really care. We're just going to do our own thing because that'll yeah. turn out well. Listen, he, Knives Out was good. Knives Out was great. Yeah. Cat in the Hat. Or any more nerd thoughts for, uh, for Congo? Cat in the Hat. I got a couple. You got some, Brian? Uh... I think how far they moved away from the source material was was what really killed this one overall. Because if you're a big Dr. Seuss fan Mm -hmm. and the lead character refuses to say the lines, right, in the way that they were written. Yeah, I mean, I I get it. It's hard to do, but that's where your talent comes in. You should be able to do that. But you look at How the Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, he's definitely ad-libbing and doing some ridiculous Jim Carrey, like physical comedy especially, but he's still delivering the lines as right. written in the in the children's book. Right. And it works. He yeah. may add some extra stuff in there, mm-hmm. but the main plot, the main story is still being told. Right. And that's why that one's so good. That's my peak of the mountain, by the way, for Dr. Seuss live action films, but that's yeah. good to hear and over there. Yeah. And I just felt like they, they took everything and they did it and then they just did... It was like they were beating a dead horse with some of the with some of the gags, like the mm-hmm. whole like, 
Like, even in, like, one of the first scenes when he was fixing the couch to make it so they could jump on it. Like, he's taking the, like, he takes the cushions out, and he takes this stuff out. And it's like, what's this? And then he gets in, he gets in a fight with an elephant. And then he goes under the couch, and he starts, I'm like, seriously, just get to it. Like, I've right. just felt like it was, like, he was trying too hard. They had to, to they had to, to use all with, the di- digital animation to, to crowbar in Mike Myers' jokes of, like, okay, let's show a plumber butt It's here, like, now we're going to do this, do and this. hey, let's, we're going to yeah. do this. And well, so that like, answers one of my questions is, that, I mean, how much of this is ad-libbed? A good percentage of it is, it right? All of like it. it. Yeah. It's, it's got to be most of it. Yeah. Like, and, and you could feel that in a lot of scenes where, like, some of the scenes, like, I get that they were trying to be funny, and it would have been funny if they had not taken so long to get to there. Get there. Yeah. Like, just get there. Like, you're just... It's like, oh, like the whole, the cupcake and thing. Like that would have been funny if it didn't take five minutes to get there. Yeah. I, I think the colors and the sets and everything is, is remarkable. Oh, I think it's a very visually pleasing film. And I say this because my question next is how much better would this be whilst stoned? Exponentially is my answer. Probably. Well, I, I, I'll just say this. It was my choice of movie. Okay. All right. So, so yes, it's better that way. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it's better that way. Well, I'll, I'll have to all of these movies are better that way. I'll have to circle back around to that. Um, real quick side note, uh, and this is something I was just thinking about as Mike Myers was doing all of his ridiculous stuff, his and different voices, which I think, again, what what hurts also helps mm-hmm. the film. What's his favorite? What do you? What's his favorite voice of yours that he's ever done? I know it's it's a really hard question to think about. So I'll just while you in while this movie specifically, no, or? in any of them. And he he reuses a lot of his other mo- yeah. like his other impersonations. And it's got to like be that. a Scottish. Uh, yeah, it's so I married. Like, it's, like it's fat so I married an axe murderer. His father and so father and so I married an axe murderer. That's yeah. my favorite. Oh, that's a that's that's a great answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to steal it because I feel bad, but man, that that might be the right answer. <laughs> it's good. That's Shrek's pretty good. He's kind of a version of that. He, he is Shrek is a version of it's that like a, it's sure. like a less ridiculous Nancy Travis. That's it's ironically a less cartoonish version of his dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good answer. Okay. Um, let's see. Next category. Who is the nerdiest of the nerds? So we're going to pick. And I think we already might have an answer already, but right. let's talk about some, some, some awards and stuff for Masters of the Universe. The Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. It won Outstanding Achievement by Gary Goddard. Somehow. <laughs> it, was also, it was also nominated for best science fiction film, best costumes, and best special effects. Uh, I found, I, this is a real stretch, a thing called the Fantas Sporto was the winner of the International Fantasy Film Award for Best Special Effects and nominated for International Fantasy Film Award for Best Film. And it also was a, won a or was nominated for a Razzie Award for Best, <laughs> for, for worst, worst Supporting Actor, Gwildor, played by Billy Barty. That's not... I, I agree that's, with that. that I got to put all the awards on there. Had he put didn't them all win? On there. He, he was just nominated. Just nominated. <laughs> Who did he lose to? I don't know. I should have I looked that up. God. So, Congo. It's got to be It's got to be like yeah. a Sylvester Stallone film. Right. Congo, also also a mix. Academy of Science, Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films nominees for Best Science Fiction Film, Best Director, and Best Special Effects. It, the BMI Film and TV Awards, it was the winner... For Best Music, Jerry Goldsmith. It was a Kids' Choice nominee for the Favorite Animal Star. <laughs> that wasn't an animal. That wasn't an Well, it was an animal suit, kind of, whatever. Uh, the Sci-Fi Universe Magazine winner, Best Supporting Actor in a Genre Movie, Ernie Hudson. 
And then we can get to the Razzies, where it was nominated, all nominated, didn't win. Worst picture, worst supporting actor for Tim Curry, worst supporting actress, worst director, worst screenplay, worst new star, and worst original song. Didn't win any of them, though. Mm-hmm. Well, I decided to sw- uh, skip all of the great real awards that Cat in the Hat was nominated for because there weren't any. <laughs> um, and uh, went straight to, uh, for the Razzies, it, Mike Myers was nominated for this film for Worst Actors of the Decade. Wow. This is uh, in 2010. This is what they year. were citing Ten for years. Here's Why. So seven years after the fact, it's still bad. Uh, it was nominated for the worst comedy of our first 25 years, Razzie. So we've got a quarter of a century worth of shit films, and Cat in the Hat is holding its own. But it, it nominated. Yeah. It didn't win. Nominated. Yeah. It actually won the worst excuse for an actual movie in 2004 at the Razzies. And uh, the entire cast was nominated for a Razzie for their performances. Well, so listen, I, I, we're not going to talk about the the two worst films in here because I think yeah. it's like a tie. It's like 1A, 1B. Right. I think the best bad movie after, I mean, the the, 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 numbers, cate- yeah. the categories, the numbers, everything pretty much points to Congo. Yeah. I think we can agree unanimously, yes? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, that has it. Uh, that does it for best bad movie. I think you should go watch Masters of the Universe. Brian thinks you should go watch Cat in the Hat, yep. maybe under the influence of something else. And we all think you should go watch Congo at some point. Definitely yeah. watch Congo. Got to see it at least once. I, I want to read the book now. Honestly, you should read yeah. the book. It's I fantastic. Book. I, I will recommend every single Michael Crichton book. I've read, I've read, at least I've read every one that came out basically pre-1996. And, yeah. and I have one slight confession that it took me a lot of viewings to get through Masters of the Universe. Yes. So much so that <laughs> the other night my wife woke me up again and said, uh-uh, you're not sleeping through this horrible movie again. Wake up and finish watching it. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, Because she's, she's watched it a few times and it, uh, as a, someone who suffers from insomnia occasionally, I really appreciated the film. I think uh, that's a, you're welcome. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. at the very least, it's good to put you to sleep. It is. Yeah, so, it is. Brian, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, as thank always, you guys. thank this you. Was fun. This was a lot of fun. So, look for more uh, episodes like this. We're going to kind of jump more into the IMDb uh, Rotten Tomato ratings and figure out which of our best bad movies that we want to recommend to to you folks. Uh, a little bit of nerd outreach to wrap the show up. First of all, thank yous. Thank you to um, again, Brian. Lambert, as always. Yes. Thanks to our editor in chief, producer. Boy. What else? What, I need to come up with some new titles for you. Uh, um, just, just sound engineer, dress extraordinaire. Like he's just everything. Everything he does is amazing. Danny Boy Productions, Mr. Sywell, thank you. Um, any show suggestions? Send them into Nerd Is the New Cool Podcast at gmail.com. You can like slash follow us on Facebook, Instagram at Nerd Is the New Cool Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. At Nerd is the new CO2. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found, and you can watch us on YouTube. Yeah, we've got some pretty cool um, small upcoming episodes focused on YouTube video. Yep. So hopefully these will be shortened videos you'll like. We also got a new, um, what do we call it, series coming out called Nerd Takes, where we're, John and I will be reviewing some of our favorite new things coming out. Yes. Kind of quick Very hitters. Quick hitters. Yeah. Uh, our next main episode, we're going to talk, since it is that time of year, Unfortunately, back to school. So we'll be talking about films, media that talk about going back to school and maybe even something called back to school. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe even a movie called back to school. Yes, right. So until then, 
Uh, Nerd is new cool. Have a good one, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.